You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. John is raptured here. He's caught up. I'm a firm believer this is the rapture of the church. And what takes place after this is a seven-year period known as the Great Tribulation. Going to be an awful time on the earth. If my theology is correct, I'm out of here. I'm not here. Rapture of the church, beginning of the Great Tribulation. John the Apostle is the author of Revelation. John lived a difficult and tumultuous life for Jesus, but continued faithfully serving him regardless. This revelation was given to him while he was exiled on the island of Patmos, and in its pages, you'll find a unique and powerful picture of the future of this world you know today. Pastor Danny will discuss the pre-tribulation rapture of the church discussed in Revelation. He'll also encourage you to get right with the Lord as Jesus' second coming is drawing near. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Revelation chapter 1 as he begins his message, the book of Revelation in 40 minutes. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, chapter 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Pause there for just a minute. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ, not the Antichrist. If I hear you talking more about the Antichrist in regard to the book of the Revelation than Jesus Christ, I'm going to get in your face six feet away. It's not the book about the Antichrist. It's the book about Jesus Christ. It's the unveiling. That's what the word means. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, John the apostle, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. Pause there. Look at what it says. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it, and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. And then John sees the resurrected, glorified Christ. It so overwhelms him that he falls down, basically faints. Jesus puts him hand, a hand on him, gets him up, says, don't be afraid. You're like, right. Verse 18, Jesus says to him, I'm the living one. I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and hell. Good person to know. Verse 19, write, therefore, what you have seen, 
what is now, and what will take place later. That's the outline for the book. John, write what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. What he had seen. He had seen Jesus Christ. He was one of his 12 chosen apostles. He witnessed his life, death, burial, and resurrection. And now he has the privilege because he's on the Alcatraz of the ancient world. He's been banished to an island called Patmos because of his faithfulness to the word of God and to Jesus Christ. And on that island, he receives what we know as the book of the Revelation. Write what you've seen. Write what is now. What is now? Chapters 2 and 3. Seven letters to seven churches that existed in that day. They are messages from Jesus Christ to the church in the church age. I have no doubt. What you have seen, mission accomplished, death, burial, resurrection, now glorified Christ appears to John. Write what you have seen, Jesus Christ. He's the Savior of the world. Write what is now. What is now? Messages for the church. And now write what will take place later. That's the majority of the book. The majority of the book of Revelation is prophetic. It hasn't happened yet. Chapter 4, verse 1. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I'll show you what must take place after this. Letters, messages to the church. John is raptured here. He's caught up. I'm a firm believer this is the rapture of the church. And what takes place after this is a seven-year period known as the great tribulation. going to be an awful time on the earth. If my theology is correct, I'm out of here. I'm not here. Rapture the church, beginning of the great tribulation. But before we get into that, in chapter 4, when John is caught up to heaven, he sees a throne. It's the Father seated on his throne. There are 24 other thrones around the throne. 24 elders. Who are they? I believe 12 patriarchs of the Old Testament representing the nation of Israel and the people of Israel. And then Jesus said to his own apostles, you're going to sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So you have 12 apostles of the New Testament. And so my belief is the 24 elders, 12 patriarchs representing Israel, and then 12 New Testament apostles, and it's the saints. Representation by the elders of the saints. Well, they are literal thrones with people on them. So here's the Father on the throne, 24 other thrones with 24 elders, and then these mysterious angelic beings, four living creatures they're called. And they're before the throne, and John sees them, and John hears them, and they're crying out 24-7, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. 
Verse 11, chapter 4 ends, you're worthy, O Lord, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Then you get to chapter 5, and chapter 5 opens this way. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, that's the Father, a scroll, with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But there's nobody in heaven or on earth or under the earth. They could open the scroll or even look inside. And John somehow knows what this scroll has to do with. He somehow knows something about the scroll. We aren't told how. But when the question goes out, who's worthy, and there's an initial uh, no response, no one's found worthy in the earth, under the earth, above, and, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, John in verse 4 starts weeping. He weeps. And then one of the elders says to him, verse 5, don't weep. See the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He's triumphed. He's able to open the scroll, and it's seven seals. And then verse 6, I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. We know who that is. Standing in the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits, sevenfold spirit of God. He came and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sits on the throne and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each had a harp. They were holding golden bowls full of incense. That's the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You're worthy to take the scroll. And to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. So one of the things the scroll has to do with is the redemption of those who have put their faith in the only one worthy, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And then verse 11, I looked and I heard the voice of many angels. This is amazing. Numbering thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they sang. Now, most translations say they just said. So whether they sang it or they said it, this is what they proclaimed. In a loud voice, and there's multitudes of them. So this thing is, it's just, it's shebang. <laughs> Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that's in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Now, we got the social distancing chairs in here, and so we don't have a full house, and we got, I don't know how many people watching online that call Calvary Chapel Fellowship your home church, and so I can only deal with the ones in here right now, but I know you're going to give it everything you got, because if you don't, I'm just going to keep preaching and keep preaching and keep preaching, because it's raining outside anyway, and know what are we going to do? I'm just going to keep going. But, but if you'll give it all you have, I'll do my best in on time. You say, what are you talking about? 
Here's what they proclaim. And Jesus Christ is the only one worthy. He's the only one that can open the scroll, loose its seals. Because it has to do with the ultimate fulfillment of all the ages, where God's going to bring everything under one head, Jesus Christ. And those who have put their faith in him, they're going to rule and reign with him. He's going to take us into a world that's just absolute paradise. There's going to be a day he's going to make everything new. There's no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. I'm going to live in that world. And if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're going to live in that world. But on the other side of the coin, before the reign of Christ in his second coming, Also in the scroll, God is holy. You've heard that. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He has to judge those who reject his offer of salvation, and he's going to bring judgment on the world. And the only one worthy to unleash the wrath is Jesus Because on the one hand, he's done everything he can for everyone to be saved. And if you reject that salvation, there's only one thing left. And that is damnation and wrath. I want to remind you, as you're going to give it everything you have, he's listening. He really is. I'm going to count to three. I want you to sound like a multitude, even though there's maybe a couple of hundred, for Jesus. On the count of three, we're going to say it really, really loud. We're going to say this. You ready? One, two, three. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Woo! This is what's going on in heaven. Well, what's about to take place is the antithesis, and that's an understatement. Chapter 6, verse 1, I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. It's not a detailed study, but seal number one, John sees a rider on a white horse. Some people say this is Christ. This is not Christ. I said it very emphatically. It's not Christ. Christ comes back on a horse at the end of the book. This is another rider on a horse. He's been on conquest. This is the Antichrist. The book of Daniel, it's a sister book to the book of Revelation. I'm looking forward to studying it with you. One of the things we'll see in Daniel is the Antichrist, one of the gods that he worshiped is the god of fortresses. He believes in military might, and that's the way he's going to get ahead. And so his conquest is through world war, world war. And so John sees a rider on a red horse. There's war. And what's going to follow war, it always follows war, is there's going to be famine. And that's seal number three. And then seal number four, John sees a rider on a pale horse, and death and hell followed close behind him. So people are dying, and people are dying without Christ, and hell is increasing its population. 
And then seal number five. Martyrs from history that are crying out to God, how long before you avenge our blood? And you know what the answer is? Just a little while longer, a little while longer until your brothers who have the same destiny as you had, that they're going to die for their faith. You say, why would God allow more people to die? Peter tells us the only reason for delay is because God loves people and he wants all men to be saved. And so the end doesn't come just like that. No, seven-year period. Seven-year period. And then seal number six. And seal number six, the earth is shaken. Verse 12, chapter 6. I watched as he opened the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red. Stars in the sky fell to the earth. I mean, it's a shaking. Hebrews 12, 26 and 27, God says in this day, God's going to shake what can be shaken so that what cannot be shaken will remain. Isaiah, as did many of the prophets, spoke of this coming day. It's an awful day. And in Isaiah chapter 24, verse 1, here's what God says through the prophet Isaiah. See, the Lord is going to lay waste the earth and devastate it. He'll ruin its face, scatter its inhabitants. It'll be the same for priestess for people, for master as for servant, for mistress as for maid, for seller as for buyer, for borrower as for lender, for debtor as for creditor. What does that mean? It means nobody's going to escape. Doesn't matter how much money you have. Doesn't matter your position or your power in this life. Nobody's going to escape. Verse 3, the earth will be completely laid waste and totally plundered. The Lord has spoken his word. But as this seal is opened. And you think, oh my goodness, it's the end. It is the end, but it doesn't happen right away. You ought to be thankful for Revelation chapter 7. After the sixth seal is open, then you go to Revelation chapter 7, and you go down to verse 9. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Jump down to verse 13. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? Well, John doesn't know. So verse 14, I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes, made them white in the blood of the lamb. So... Lots of people are going to come to faith in Christ during this awful time. Not everyone will, but lots of people will from all over the world. Seal number 7, chapter 8, verse 1. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. That's fascinating. It's the greatest calm before the greatest storm the world has ever known. Can you imagine 30 minutes? Because what is about to unfold 
has never happened before. Jesus said about this coming time in Matthew 24, for then there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of time until now and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. The elect, that's just a term that refers to those who will put their faith in Jesus Christ. Because God wants all men to be saved, once the seventh seal is open, the end doesn't come right away. And from the seventh seal come seven trumpets. First trumpet, all the green grass on the planet is burned up. You say, that's hard to believe. It's going to happen. Sounds nuclear. If you know about the number of people that are going to die in this coming day, there have to be nuclear there has to be nuclear warfare. All the green grass is burned up. A third of the trees are burned up. Trumpet number two sounds. A third of the seas turn to blood. These things are happening rapidly. All of this in one seven-year period. Trumpet number three. A third of the rivers and the springs of water are contaminated. People die just because of the contamination of the water. Trumpet number four. A third of the sun, moon, and stars don't give their light. What it means is a third of the day is darkness. You can't uh, see the sun. But a third of the night, you can't see the moon or the stars. Some believe because of the type of nuclear war that's going on, the atmosphere is so affected that it's just a natural consequence. But however it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Trumpet number five, fascinating. Bible says there's a place that's a literal place somewhere down below in the center of planet Earth, somewhere down below called the abyss. When Satan rebelled against God and he took a third of God's angels with him, they rebelled with him, some of those more powerful and most rebellious angels, God said, I'm not going to let you roam the earth. And so some of those angels that rebel with Lucifer are locked up. It's real right now in a place called the abyss. When the fifth trumpet sounds, there's an angel that opens the door of the abyss and out come these demonic creatures. They're funky looking. Faces like lions, hair like women. They got big teeth. And they're given power to torment people on the earth but not to kill them. And here's what it says. Men will long to die and death will elude them. It says when they afflict someone, it's like the sting of a scorpion. And men are longing to die, but they won't die. It's the closest thing to hell on earth the world's ever seen. And then trumpet number six. One-fourth of the population has died in the war and the famine, and now another third die when trumpet number six sounds. If you do the math, 50% of the population is now gone. Let me put that in perspective. Right now as we sit here in church, there's about 7.8 billion people on the planet. If this were to take place in our day, 3.9 billion billion people would die. 
Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today as he continued to walk us through the books of the New Testament. From the life of Jesus and his ministry to how the gospel spread in the early days of the church, the New Testament books offer much insight into how we're supposed to live our lives now. They're not just an interesting story or a history lesson. These things actually happened. Is this New Testament Highlights series speaking to you in a personal way? If so, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send us an email and tell us what your experience has been as you've listened to these teachings. Our email address is info at ccfstpete.church. That address again is info at ccfstpete.church. If you happen to be in the St. Petersburg area, come join us and hear from Pastor Danny at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We're holding services each Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. You'll find all the information you need on our website, ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in today. Here at The Living Word, we value digging into Scripture in order to learn and to grow in our personal pursuit of God. So we hope you'll join us again next time as we continue teaching the Word and reaching the world. We look forward to the next edition here on The Living Word.